This is the Fathering Project podcast, Figuring It Out Together, where we tackle many challenges facing dads and father figures and explore fathering across all ages, from newborns to toddlers, school age and teenagers. We speak with experts in their fields to help you navigate solutions and positive outcomes for each stage of your fathering journey. Let's figure it out together. Hello and welcome to the Fathering Project podcast. Kathy Gapaya here and joining me today is Brad Marshall, who we are thrilled to welcome back. In today's episode, we'll delve into the world of technology and how we can find a balance in our work and personal life. We'll talk about how technology contributes to workplace stress, especially due to the rise of hybrid and remote work, and work out how we can um, keep a healthy balance or as much of a healthy balance as we possibly can. Brad is recognized as one of Australia's leading experts in excessive internet use or internet addiction, otherwise known as gaming disorder and related disorders. As the director and founder of the Screen and Gaming Disorder Clinic, Australia's first established specialty clinic, he is a well-respected presenter and speaker on the topic, frequenting schools, corporates, and parent seminars. He's author of the books, The Tech Diet for Your Child and Teen, and How to Say No to Your Phone, which have both been published in over a dozen countries and multiple languages worldwide. In his spare time, Brad is doing a PhD research program at Macquarie University running clinical trials for gaming disorder. Brad, a big welcome to you. Thank you, Caddy. It's fantastic to be back. Brad, can you share any insights or preliminary findings that you have regarding the increasing impact of technology on our lives, especially in the context of workplace stress? Yeah, look, it's really difficult, isn't it? I think around 2020 or 2021, when COVID was in full swing and we we're all working from home, if anyone can remember those days still, if we haven't blanked it out, um, it became acutely aware to me in the Screens and Gaming Disorder Clinic of the impact on parents, not just having their kids at home and trying to do home learning, but also the technology that was, you know, um, just barreling through all of our workplaces and and being rolled out at breakneck speed uh, without any real consideration about how that's going to play out in the family home and and for work-life balance. Um, So as you pointed out in the introduction, that lovely introduction, Caddy, um, I have been working increasingly with organisations around how to find balance in this because, and I know balance is such a, it's it's bandied around a lot, isn't it, as a word. But what I really mean by that is with increasing technology, we're finding people are more burnt out and more lonely and more disconnected um, from their workplaces and from their friends and their families. Um, and of course, that has, you know, huge implications on isolation and general mental health and well-being. Yeah, and isolation is considered, um, you know, uh, as bad as smoking 17 cigarettes a day. So it has real health implications uh, for everyone, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, neurologically, we are wired to be social humans. Um, And, you know, the jury is still very much out as to whether, you know, video or or audio or any of these sorts of technology-based things really can meet that need neurologically. But I, I would have to say I don't think it does. So the issue that we face as far as being parents and and in our workplaces for a lot of us is we've replaced a lot of the face-to-face interaction with technology. 
uh, and that may come with some benefits. It does come with benefits, but there are also risks there as well. And I think that workplaces and, and us as busy parents as well, we haven't quite figured out how to crack that balance. I don't think we've got it. And do you think that um, during COVID, obviously, we had a lot of um, issues with mental health and isolation, which was understandable. But post-COVID, do you think we are still um, you know, feeling the impacts of what happened and the changes that happened through COVID? And has technology caused, in fact, more workplace stress post-COVID? Yeah. Yes, undoubtedly. I mean, so I work with some of the biggest organisations in Australia um, and, and around the world. And what we're finding, and, and many organisations will, um, you know, I guess acknowledge this as well, whether they do it publicly or privately, but they certainly do to me, that we have all these advantages of technology, work from home, hybrid, and all these other fascinating things that you can do with technology. And I'm not advocating through what I call the sustainable tech diet I'm not advocating that we throw all that out. I think that we definitely need a lot of that. Um, and it, it is the way of the future. But what we haven't quite figured out is how do we bring in that in a healthy balance so that we don't lose that face-to-face connection. And there are huge issues now, even um, you know, hybrid working and work from home. We are now transitioning in Australia anyway, uh, and we will continue in 2024, I believe, to transition more to work back in the office. You're seeing more companies, you know, demand, rightly or wrongly, that their staff come back to the office three days, four days, or full time. Now, some people love it, some people hate it, but what we know is that there is an element of that that is probably needed for our connection and, and for loneliness and for burnout. Um, but where that lies and, and what the magic source is, is different for every company. What is also tricky for companies is, and for the working parent as well, because this is about dads mainly, right? I mean, for the working dad, how do you manage that at home? Because, you know, increasingly I'm hearing parents say to me in workshops that I deliver, um, you know, I'm expected to be on a Zoom call at 9.45 at night. Uh, how do I do that? Okay, fantastic that I get to do the school pickup and, and watch my kid play football or netball or something. But then I have to be on a call at 8 o'clock at night. I mean, how does this work? There's just no clear delineation between the boundaries of what used to be nine to five work and what is now home time. It's all blurred. And I think his parents were struggling with that. I've heard um, people talk about, you know, we had the COVID pandemic and now we've got the mental health pandemic. Do you agree with that statement? I mean, it's such a broad statement, isn't it? It's really difficult to, to nail down exactly what all that means. And I think that we are still... Um, as health workers and researchers trying to figure out exactly what the outcomes of all of that is. Um, we, may, we may only find that out in five or 10 years' time, right, um, further down the track. I think that we are moving away from talking about it as the outcomes of the COVID pandemic. At the end of the day, technology just rolled out more rapidly, whether it's the AI or, um, you know, communication tools that are used in the workplace, it, it rolled out more rapidly over the COVID period. It would have happened anyway, in my view, but it just happened. You know, we essentially just went 10 years light speed and, and rolled it all out for, for good reason, right? But we didn't really sit back and go, what are the other side effects on the family unit, uh, on loneliness and social connection and on the workplace and productivity? And that's what organizations are struggling with now. I'll, I'll give you an example, Caddy. Um, I watch my daughter, who's seven, play basketball. Um, bless them, their, their team is horrific. They get 
hammered on the court every week. But anyway, that's not the point. Um, I really enjoyed it. It's one of my favourite parts of the week, watching them lose. Um, but there were two other parents this week that I could see, and this is not a criticism of those parents. I don't want anyone to take it that way. But having to do work calls in the um, in the car park, you know, Skype or Zoom or, or, or Teams calls, and one just on the basketball court, you know, just muted themselves. And I don't know, you, we've got to kind of ask ourselves, why are we asking those parents to do that? Um, are, are they... Are they parenting then? Are they connecting with their child? Uh, are they fathering or, or are they working? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I can't answer that question still because to me it seems like they're doing neither of those things. Um, and that's at the crux of it, just a tangible example of what I'm talking about here is how there's got to be some responsibility on the individuals and that's what I do with a sustainable tech diet, but there has to be some responsibility on the organisation as well. And it's in their best interest because it improves their productivity and their staff retention. So it's we have to solve this problem together. We absolutely do. Now, do you think there is a sustainable tech diet? And does it involve fasting <laughs> over a period of time, a bit like the eating diet does? Yeah, I mean... So look, there is, it is possible to get a sustainable tech diet, absolutely. Um, and, and I think it doesn't have to be major changes, right? I was in a workshop uh, just a few months ago and during one of the lunch breaks, um, a, a very senior manager came up to me and said, you know what, Brad, everything that you've taught me about persuasive design in technology, these are you know very accomplished adults. Um, and this person said, uh, I, I realized that I was walking my dog every morning. It was supposed to be my relaxing time, right? Walking my dog for 45 minutes. But I realized that I'd started taking my phone to listen to music and the music's turned into podcasts, podcasts turned into emails, emails turned into Slack. And before you know it, this person's working the entire time. And so they said to me, uh, immediately, I'm going to stop doing that. I, I don't need my music. I don't need this stuff. I know the persuasive design will have me doing that. It's supposed to be my downtime. And that's how technology can creep into our lives. So we can make some minor changes, and that's what I teach people to do, um, to make it sustainable. Uh, to your second part of your question, Caddy, you know, is a fasting version, it's tricky because technology is all around us. We have to use it, right? And so it's probably not um, a valid option. It just, it just isn't going to work. There are areas of your life that you can change as an adult if you're clear that you want to be parenting. So let me give you an example. Um, I try to pick my kids up from school at least once or twice a week. Um, it, it's difficult, but I, I try my best, um, mainly because we have this little ritual that my wife sort of set up where we make them smoothies, fruit smoothies, and we chuck a whole bunch of fresh veggies and stuff in their way. So it's kind of two birds, one stone. Uh, and the kids love to get their smoothies and we drink them on the way home. And then I kind of know once they've drank their smoothie, it's my time that I can actually ask them how their days were. Um, they've got to have like five minutes to decompress in the smoothie. So it's a ritual that we have, like a father-child ritual we have. Um, but what I didn't like about that pickup was waiting for them in the schoolyard and, and reading emails or, you know, getting stuck down that rabbit hole. So I choose to leave my phone in the car. It's a small thing. It's only 15 or 20 minutes when I'm waiting, um, but I choose to leave it in the car. And there are some downsides to that, right? At the end of the day, on one occasion, I was supposed to maybe pick up a child and, I, you know, a child's friend and I didn't. And so that wasn't ideal. I had to go back. But um, for the most part, it's positive. I, I'm there, I'm present, and I'm not getting distracted or rushed. 
and I'm very aware of their needs as a father when they come down those stairs. Um, but there's small changes that we can make, and I think it's really difficult. Unless you take stock and do an audit of your own tech diet, it's difficult to know how to implement that stuff. So, um, and I, I think again, this was always headed in this direction. It's just that the COVID and work from home and hybrid working stuff has, has supercharged it. Yeah, um, and as with other diets as well, what works for one person may not work for another. So we've got to take stock of what we need to do and the routine that our kids have, and you know, make sure that we have some time tech free with them potentially during the day that works for us and our work and you know our sort of you know other activities i guess everything everybody's different yeah and what works for one person doesn't work for another and this is what we're finding in in workplaces um i spoke recently at a company where i had a i'll call them a younger employee uh, probably in their 20s um, and then, and then some older employees and the, and the, the 20 something was saying to me, you know, look, it's all good and well to work from home or do hybrid working when, um, parents uh, like me want to take off three to five to do the, you know, school pickup and the basketball game and the gymnastics and everything. Um, but all that means is that they start scheduling calls for seven o'clock at night and I don't have any kids. And so I don't want to do that. I don't want to be working at seven o'clock at night, but I feel beholden. To, to accept that invitation. And so this whole flexible work thing, it's tricky because some, some organizations have done it really well and they have clear boundaries within teams and every team uh, or division within an organization is going to be different too, right? I've worked with organizations that literally turn the email server off at eight or nine o'clock at night so you can't send emails. Brilliant, right? Brilliant. Um, but it's different for different ages and different circumstances. And, and then it becomes really murky if you feel like you have to go along with someone else's schedule. So I feel like we haven't really cracked that yet. And that probably is impacting on families because at the end of the day, this is a, a fathering podcast, right? And, and my point of talking about this is for fathers, it's hard for us now. Um, it's not the traditional we get home at four or five or six or whatever time we get home. And we are spending time on bath or showers or bedtime stories or playing with our kids. It's just this never ending cycle of I'll do a bit of a bath and then I'll walk away and answer an email and then I'll do a bit of dinner and then I'll get a ping on Slack or, and it just, it's so, uh, you know, stressful and, and has high burnout rates for the individual, for the father or the parent, but it's also not really being present as a parent either. So it's kind of the worst of both worlds. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I can't remember if it was in the 90s, perhaps, where multitasking was the big word, and everybody was very keen to say they were multitaskers. So they managed to do three things at the same time. And I think we've all come to the conclusion that it is actually a really bad thing, because you don't, you're not present for any one task, and you're not doing any one task very well when you're multitasking, and that you should actually focus on the one thing. So if you're with your kids, you should just be focusing on that. If you're at work, you should be just focusing on that rather than multitasking. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there'd be hundreds of dads out there having those conversations with their teenager, trying to tell them that they can watch YouTube while they study or something like that, right? And convince their fathers that they they are the exception to the multitasking rule. But further to your point, Caddy, um, I think that it's also, you know, especially important that you can't multitask something that is innately social and emotional. 
um, the idea of parenting and, and being present with your family, you do have to read, you know, uh, emotions and, 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 and facial expressions and all these things are pretty important. Um, it's not like multitasking two different mundane tasks. There are actually facial expressions that you have to read and body language you have to read in this. And same goes for the workplace, right? Um, you know, this idea that we can get all our social connections need met through video uh, I don't know how much I buy that because you, you're not getting the full gamut of facial expressions and body language. And and let's face it, even during video calls, we're constantly sitting here monitoring our own video to make sure that we look okay, right? Um, which probably doesn't happen in a real world office unless you've got mirrors all over the office, which would be really weird. But anyway. Yeah. So with these um, multiple, you know, stimuli around us and multiple things that demand our attention, what advice would you give dads or mums even on how to switch off when they are having family time? Yeah. So as you pointed out before, it's different for everyone. Um, and I'm not trying to preach that we all have to be some Brady Bunch family. You know, I don't think about perfection here. But I really challenge dads and, and mums um, in the sustainable tech diet to audit their own usage. And what I mean by that is, and I'll, I'll take you through in a good example here that I use in workshops, right, Caddy? So um, if we look at something like, do you have emails on your phone? So I noticed that I had my research lab at Macquarie University emails on my phone, uh, on my mobile phone. And you have to ask yourself a question, is there any content on there that's so urgent that it can't wait to access it on your computer? If the answer is yes, then okay, you need it on your phone. If the answer is no, delete the email box, which is what I did, right? Delete it off your phone. It's, it doesn't need to be there. Um, but if the answer is still yes, you know, will it change the outcome if you're not alerted to the pings? And, and, and again, then if that's the case, take the pings off. Um, are there certain hours of the day that you don't need to be alerted to those pings? If you do need it, think sleep, family time, relaxation time, right? So for me, I do nippers every Sunday morning with my kids. It's like one of my favorite times. Um, I, I don't need my phone at all there, but you'd have to ask yourself, do you need to be getting pings from, uh, from emails at that time? Because you can actually use the software in your phone um, to remove the pings from that. What I typically ask people, if there's no time where where you can be without the pings of email no time at all then you may be a cyborg and you have to go back to just having a look in the mirror right because i would argue that no one is in that category so we have to audit our own usage our own devices and all of the applications that we have to then come up with meaningful change in how you harvest the technology so what i say is you need to harvest technology and not let technology harvest us. And that's what it comes down to. Every father out there, technology is a tool that we need to learn how to harvest. Don't let it harvest you. And that includes family time and your connection with your kids. That's a very good point, Brad. Um, I remember talking to a famous brain surgeon a few years ago who said, um, unless you're a brain surgeon, you don't need to be carrying your phone, your mobile phone around with you. And he was um, talking about all the various health issues that may arise from using a phone straight against your brain because he was a brain surgeon. Yeah. But yeah, we have become used to something and instantaneous responses to things, whereas we used to work quite easily without that. 
So do you need to, you know, I think just summarizing what you're saying, do you need to have it on your phone or can you wait and reply to it on your desktop next time you're sitting in front of your computer? That's a really good point. In your collaborations with organizations, what are the most common misconceptions or resistance points that you come across when introducing the idea of a sustainable tech diet? And and how do you address those? Yeah, really good question. I mean, there's a whole host of them. I'll just give you one or two. Um, I've had organizations say to me, um, we are trying to improve the technology within our organization. Uh, Some pretty old school firms you know, we want to improve our partners and our workers using technology. And so therefore, we don't want to talk about the risks uh, or having a sustainable tech diet because we may freak them out. Uh, And of course, you know, what I said to those people is, look, they go hand in hand. You can't hand someone the keys without teaching them how to push the brakes, right? And um, I think culturally, it depends on the organization and what they value. Um, Some people will understand that and take that on board. Um, others maybe are not quite there. Um, and there are other organizations where certainly the staff, um, you know, because quite often it can be a us versus them, the staff blame the organization for not having clear boundaries or the organization blame the staff for not managing it. And, and again, it, it, it's both. It's got to be both. The solution has to be both. The individuals need to take responsibility of their own personal use and their own use at home and outside and their plan um, but the organization need to enable them, set them up for success with that as well. I know that's a kind of corny business term, but it's true. Um, and so it is about working with teams within an organization. If you have a team of 20, 30, 40, and about the leadership really having a chat with me and me saying, you know, what is it you're trying to achieve here? How much technology do they need? How do you see it? And what are the options for your staff? And getting them all in one room to talk about this um, and how they can how they can manage it. Organizations that value it, they see that if they ignore this in their staff, they're going to increase burnout and loneliness and isolation. All that does is increase the turnover of staff, right? Um, And that doesn't help anyone in an organization. Yeah, um, I think, um, you know, it's interesting for our listeners perhaps to know how to advocate for this or bring up this issue with their managers. Yeah. Uh, uh, do you have any thoughts on that? How how best to do this? Yeah, I mean, I think that uh, it, it depends again on how how much psychological safety there is in that organisation, right? Just a fancy term for do you feel comfortable actually raising concerns with your manager um, or with the HR person or the people and culture person or whatever it is? Um, and essentially, if you have concerns that people are not aligned, um, use tangible examples with your manager. So, you know, if you're a, uh, you know, a 20-something and you're not happy about being invited to 8.30 o'clock evening meetings, then just raise that with the manager. Look, can I talk about this example here? I'm not raising a specific person. I'm just saying that their needs of when they want to work in flexible working is different to mine. How do we all get on the same page here? Do we have some core hours that we're all available? Um, You know, how is this organisation going to address that? And then also raising, do we need some training in individual management of our devices? Because if you are not supposed to be sending emails at 10 o'clock, but people still are, or Slack or messages or any of these things or Teams, then part of that is because they're being sucked into that vortex of the persuasive design. And that comes down to the individual being trained and having knowledge and education in this 
so that they can fight back against this. You may know that we have um, a working families program and we work with corporates on well-being and flexible workplaces, um, especially for men and fathers, because there's quite a lot of policy around women and flexibility, but not a lot around men. And even if the policy is there, the culture is not following the policy. So we do quite a bit of work there. And we found a lot of organizations have responded to that saying, yeah, we'd love, we'd love some more of this, which is great. That's now- fantastic, Caddy. Sorry, I just I, I didn't know that, but that is absolutely fantastic. Well done. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we've had um, a lot of uptake with organizations who haven't really thought about it from that side. You know, gender equality seems to be looked at from a women's perspective often. Yeah. But of course, if you want true gender equality, you've got to have gender equality for both. Um, sexes for for both genders um, at every level. So yeah, we find that really interesting and a lot of uptake for that. Now, as um, the last question, um, can you share some practical tips or strategies for individuals and teams to achieve this balance in their professional and personal lives? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the first step is that um, if you recognise that your tech diet uh, as an adult um, at work and at home. It's not just about work stuff. It can also be about your use at home. If it's just not in line with where you want it to be, if, if you're at that point, um, then you start to audit which devices are sucking you in. Is it your mobile phone? Is it your iPad? Um, is it, you know, and also which uh, platforms, you know, is it that you're going down the Instagram route or the LinkedIn route or is it is it work emails? What is it? And just think about, how to um, restrict your self-access in that. So I gave an example before of deleting email inboxes, okay? Um, that's, a, uh, that's a software intervention you can do there because you're deleting something. Um, it's also screen time where you delete, uh, you know, notifications and things like that. Now, this is not rocket science. Most people understand how to do this, but you'd be very surprised at how many people actually audit their own use. And it probably needs to happen every year at least, right? Because there is this creep that happens. One of the most effective strategies, though, is a hardware solution. And so what I mean by that is it's all good and well to use do not disturb or, you know, all these functions on a phone or on a computer, but we're always tempted to turn that stuff off, okay, or to bypass the screen time password that you've set for yourself. So a hardware solution is literally leaving the device at home, and you can take on a slightly less addictive device. So I'll give you an example. Um, typically, if I'm at Nippers, you know, I said surf lifesaving on the weekend, um, I'll leave my phone, but I still need to contact because it gets pretty chaotic down there at the beach. Still need to contact. So I'll take my Apple Watch, um, which I can do text messages and phone calls on, and that's about it, uh, and run and music and stuff. But, you know, I'm not that interested in text messages and phone calls, right? It's nothing in there. I don't have emails on there. I don't have anything else. So I switch out one device that is super powerful, right? Remember, our phones, our mobile phones are way more powerful than any computer you and I ever had, Caddy, growing up, right? They are in our pocket. So if we leave those at home at certain times or in the car, it is a much better strategy to switch it out if you still need that ability to text message or to phone call, use a smartwatch. So there are ways that you can switch out different devices in a hardware solution that are usually just much more effective. 
And of course, by setting up your own personal tech boundaries, you're also modeling that for your children, which is um, another bonus for that. Absolutely. I mean, we cannot stress this enough. The parent-child or the father-child bond is so important. I'm sure you've had many people um, since we last chatted a few years ago talk about this. And we shouldn't underestimate spending time with your kids is only quality time if you're not sitting there staring at a screen. And this is not a criticism of fathers because I do it. I'm not perfect, okay? But as parents in general, we can't be ticking boxes here. Um, you know, the amount of fathers that I've heard say to me, hey, Brad, look, I'm not proud of it, but I do work meetings while on a, you know, some AirPods, muted myself, uh, you know, while the kids are running around, I'm trying to do, I mean, that person is not really bonding with their child and they're not really attending to the meeting either. They're just doing both things poorly, as we talked about before. So for that child, that parent-child bond, that father-child bond, it's so important that it's quality time. And again, I'm not advocating we all have to be perfect and have a Brady Bunch scenario here, even if it's just half an hour a day, but it has to be without the distraction of the devices. Perfect. Perfect and imperfect, We all, as we all are. Um, Brad, it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you again today. Technology is such a huge part of our life, and we need to ensure that we find a balance in our work and personal life so that we can have correct, you know, healthy boundaries and we can model that to our children as well. Listeners, Brad is doing amazing work in this area, um, especially working with corporates by hosting workshops to help them achieve better well-being and productivity for their staff. You can learn more by visiting Brad's website, unpluggedpsychologist.com. The link will also be up on the Fathering channel. Once again, thank you so much for joining us, Brad, and look forward to speaking to you again soon. Thank you, Caddy, and keep up the good work with the Fathering Project. Thank you so much.